Yes, yes, y'all. How are you getting on? This is Loose Lips, where we are orchestrating, bringing good vibes to you and yours watching. Uh, we've got an incredible guest that's going to be joining us any moment now. He's actually come onto the group, so if he sends me a request when we're going live, uh, we're getting stuck into his his career and trajectory as a career and also delving into all things footy, no doubt. Let's Random, by the way, and thanks everyone who's been joining. Shout out Ben Winterburn, yes, brother. Yes, brother, how are you, mate? You good? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah, sound, man, sound, long time. I know, it's been ages, even more so now. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I know, man. How are you finding it? Uh, personally, all right. I think from a business point of view, though, it's it's it could be potentially really damaging, do you know what I mean? With the restaurant being closed, or the restaurants being closed for so long, it, it could have a real long-lasting impacts but I think what I'd like to think would happen is when this all these restrictions get lifted people are just going to go wild because people want to see people it's that human interaction and I was never one for busy places or going out or anything like that as you know and I want to go out I even want to go down call lane do you know what I mean on a Saturday <laughs> night <laughs> stand on a photo bar for all time yeah so. swinging all the lights and stuff going <laughs> old school um but yeah, I mean, but personally, like, you know, my girlfriend's a nurse, so she's she's working normally. I'm just rattling around the house, walking the dogs, doing painting, decorating, gardening, anything I can do, really. And then cooking at the weekends. Yeah, mate. I mean, massive respect. Really tip of the hat for what you're doing with your Sunday roast for the NHS. In fact, one of my mates on uh, my Facebook page left a message saying that you fed his, his wife and her team. Uh, so he went to Scafe, he said, you know, thank you for her and him and everybody there. Oh, that's Incredible class. What you're doing. That's real class, that. difference, man. Like, you know, I, I think in these times to be able to reach out and do something like that, it's incredible. It's, yeah, it, I mean, it was born out of, we, we had to shut, we got told by the government we had to shut on that Friday and it was Mother's Day on the Sunday and we had, you know, like 120 people booked, you know what I mean? And the, and the sun was going to be out and you're just like, oh man, gutted. Um, so we did a takeaway service for that Sunday uh, on, on, a, on a skeleton staff, obviously, and, and, and abiding by the social distancing rules and all that. Um, and we had like 10 or 15 dinners left. And my girlfriend, Holly, was like, oh, we should take them to a high dependency unit. Just let's make a few calls. So she jumped on the phone and made a few calls. And we went to the Bexley wing at um, Jimmy's, just dropped them in. Like, didn't think out of it. Uh, my brother were there helping as well. He took a little photo and the nurses took a little photo and it just went wild. Um, we didn't do it for anything other than we had some food left and I don't like wasting out. So um, we set up a fundraiser. The Foundry Group set up a fundraiser. Lucinda and my business partner, Cunny, uh, Mark Cunley, uh, set up a fundraiser with a target of a grand. And I think we're about 400 quid off 10 grand now. What? Yeah, which means we can do it for 10 weeks costs about a grand uh, to do it with the food and uh, well it's just the food in the pack we've had packaging donated Seema from Brotherhood sent a hundred packs of booze for people so a couple of bottles of Heineken a little bottle of cider for when they finish work Dazzler sent us a load of Yorkshire tea from Taylors of Harrogate so we've been putting together these little Sunday lunch packages have a brew have some Sunday dinner and have a bevy when you finish that's yes it's just, That's I mean, we, we've, we've got that restaurant space, you know what I mean? And it's not doing out and it breaks my heart because this is the season. Spring's my favourite season and we can't do anything. So I just figured, well, so, so I don't go completely out of my mind. It's best to just jump in there. And we've got the door to do it now, do you know what I mean? It's, it's sort of self-funded by the, the beautiful people that have donated. 
that's incredible, man. And I think another thing about it is like, you know, we're definitely going to cover off MasterChef, but the platform that it's put you on to be able to reach out and have that interaction and level of like interest, that must be like beyond your wildest imagination. It's well, it's exactly that, Ben. It's a, it's a platform, and you you, you get like um, it's a ready-made reputation, and if you do well, if you don't do so well in that competition, it could also work. Flip one eighty, do you know what I mean? You, you you're rubbish. You have to start again. Um, but it, it it works out really well in the sense that people know you. People, you know, you've been in people's living rooms over that period of time. We're watching you on telly, so they're like, well, if he opens a restaurant, I'm definitely going to go. And we sort of lived off that for, for a while. I didn't do anything for a year, really. I, I sort of quit my job and I did a bit of TV stuff in London. And it's worth mentioning those shows, when you come out of those shows, and Mickey probably said it earlier, is that you're quite vulnerable. And there's a lot of vultures sort of flying around saying, right, we can get this guy. So I got paid a shit ton of money to go and do loads of like YouTube videos and stuff in London. But I was doing like five or six videos a day and they were, ma- they were edited down to like four minutes, but you know what it's like. We had to film it at three different angles and then an audio. And by the last video, you try to get G'd up about making a gyros. And you're just like, fuck this, man. This is, it, 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 it was hard. But going back to your question about the platform, the, the lifeblood of the restaurant at the very start was this kid's being on TV. And it, and it, and it worked. Do you know what I mean? We, 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 we were busy up until we had to close two weeks ago. Do you find that... Um... When you got off the show, and like you said, the vultures were circling, but was the, the alert of going down the TV bit? Because I remember we had a chat one time, and it might have even been before MasterChef, or just as it was sort of like you were about to go on it, and you were... No, in fact, it was after because you were already doing the TV bits with them, and, I, you know, you've got the personality for it, and it felt like that was like an angle you were going to go down, but was it the reality of just how, how draining and demanding it can be, and what it almost... Not making you fall out of love with cooking, but it, it's an, it's a different industry altogether. It's 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 yeah, it's a totally different industry because you've got people. I understand, I understand being able to chat shit for hours on a TV screen. I get that. I'm, yeah, I can do that. I, I talk. I love talking. My favourite subject is me. I love talking about this. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, but when you're going into the the realms of working in a studio and and all the lights and the camera guys and it, it's. I believe, and you could probably add to this as, as a stand-up, is it's probably easier to play for a room full of 500 people than it is to six people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you've got a G, oh, you've got a G yourself, whoa, whoa, and you're trying, to get, you're trying to get that banter and you're trying to get your personality across to three people, a sound guy, a camera guy, and then a guy cleaning up. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's really hard. And it's also, really hard. I think, I think if you've not got a, an understanding crew, what a lot of people don't realise is the pressure that they're putting onto you. Nobody, nobody cares about that who's watching the content. They're just bothered about your expression or how you're responding. So they don't know if something's happened to you and, you know, you've been bollocked or whatever, or, no, you need to be doing that. And then, boom, go. And you're like, da like, Yeah, it's, re- it's really hard to real, turn it on. You know, when you want to keep it real and it's like, nah, man, like, it, is, it is a crazy different world. Well, it's, 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 it's that last video. The first video of the day, Wicked, 9 a.m., all my preps done. We're going, welcome to the show. Well, today we're going to do this, blah, 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 and have a little beer and have a little laugh. And then by five o'clock, you're like, right, we've got to do this. We've got to do this last video. We're going to do, make it really easy. But still, to make something for a five minute or even a three minute video, it takes 15 minutes of filming three different times from three different angles. And like I said, then the audio and then the edit. And it's just, it's so hard to get G'd up for it. And it's like, I believe I'm an expert in my field. So when I'm getting shouted at by a director behind the camera, I'm like, hold on a minute, brother. You don't have to know what you're fucking talking about. And he was like, we were just the loggerheads all the time. And it, it had a big impact because I was driving down to St. Albans 
to get to the studio for like 7am on a Monday and I wasn't getting home till, you know, 5pm on a Friday night. And that sounds like, you know, what you're whinging for. It's great because I was getting, I was getting some good dollar for that, but it just had such an impact on everything else. You know what I mean? Was they, was they uh, talk or scope at that point in looking for a restaurant or, you know, was it, because I don't know if the two would work well together, you know, being a TV personality and chef and having your restaurant and when you want to be as hands-on as you within the kitchen? Uh, it wasn't at the start and then it all came about as really, as best ideas do come in the pub and I was in North Leeds with one of my pals and, I, and I'd not seen Cunny, Mark, for ages. We really? sort of chatted and stuff. Is he in? He's yeah, in. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I want to open a restaurant. We were all a bit pissed, as you were, you know, Friday night. And, and I was like, oh, I, think, I think I want to open a restaurant. He was like, I'm in. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, I'm in. And to have somebody have that sort of almost blind belief in you. Do you know what I mean? Because we've been pals for years from back in the day. Um, but but then t for him to have that that blind sort of, yeah, I'll back you. No bother, mate. Do you know what I mean? And he just did it. And he's become like my best friend. We spend nearly every waking moment either on the phone or in each other's company. And for him to put his balls on the line like that. And then we've just sort of grown that empire quite organically. I say empire. We've got three places. <laughs> becoming into it, isn't it? Well, we've got three places. We, you know, we took a punt on 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 a on a different place. That I won't speak too much about, but you know, we've got the we've got the vegan friendly cafes. We've got one in York now. We've got Oakwood, and obviously we've got the Foundry Restaurant. Um, and the Foundry Restaurant is always going to be the sort of jewel in the in the crown. Uh, that's going to be the one where when we come. I mean, I'm sat writing menus now daily, just thinking like, how can I, you know, being dynamic within the business and trying to change it up as much as I can because people want that change. And also, like I said, as soon as these are lifted, I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to be absolutely rammed. So we need to also think like that as well. You know, when we open on Wednesday night, it's probably going to be like a Saturday night every night for about yeah. three months. No, I, I hope agree. it is. I, I, I hope agree. It is. I definitely agree. Do you agree, Sheila? My cat's yeah. trying to hide out <laughs> the, the interview. Um, how, do you, how do you judge it? Where, no, I fully agree, actually. Just, I, I do want to cover that point. I think it's important. I think that we're going to really like sort of uh, experience a summer of bliss, you know, like you were this summer of love of the 60s. Yeah. I really think that people are really going to embrace the interaction side of it again and just being out and about and just that, just being able to, do you know what I mean? And I really think that it will have a, a good, a good uh, knock-on effect for industries like ourselves. Um, but what one thing I was going to lead on after that is, um, how do you know when you're spreading yourself too thin? Then you know, getting these different projects is the scope for you know opening other places in other cities, or how do you manage that? How do you not want to you know just spread yourself too thin? Uh, it was it was hard. It's, it's hard when we took on the project um, in 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 North Leeds, the pub. It was really hard because it would be, get to the point where I'd have to cover a breakfast shift at Grand Cafe at seven till two, and then I'd have to go up and finish up lunch uh, at the pub, and then I'd have to fly down and do dinner service at the Foundry. And it was because I'm a control freak, do you know what I mean? Uh, and that's my problem. I need to learn to let go and sort of delegate a little bit because because the team that we that I work with are, are all phenomenal from super management level to the the guys that's, that do the pots because it would the wheel wouldn't turn without them. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's really difficult is the answer to the question. Um, I try and manage my time the best I can, but I'm a bit of a busy fool, to be honest. Um, and that's something else that I need to work on, I think, is my, my time management and not taking on too much and being, uh, like, spreading myself too thin. Do you find that because of the 
way that you've sort of come into being a business owner that like you're saying you're learning a lot of the skills and you're adapting as with the role as it as it grows yeah i mean i'll, I'll i used to when i first started out i used to get panicked and stressed about a saturday dinner service because there's so much expectation and now i'm like i say to everybody the cooking's the easy part do you know what i mean it's the people management it's the direct debits and that coming in and landlords and this and the bank and we've got meetings and then Connie's ringing me going we've got to do this we've got an account and we've got to go to Harrogate we've got to go there and I'm like fucking hell just let me shake some pans <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but but every every day is sort of sort of learning something new every day is is great and being but being more business minded because I wasn't really I was just a sort of fake it till you make it sort of thing do you know what I mean and I think I got to that point I was like well I'm actually gonna have to do something with this this stuff that I've got here now <laughs> Um, so I've lost my train of thought now. Sorry, that's not good for an interview. Nah, it's all good. We were just on about pretty much that, as in like uh, learning on the job as you go, faking it. You saying faking it, so you're making it. But I think a lot of it is down to the the opportunity that was there. You've grabbed with both hands, and now it's like, right, okay, this is real. Let me go at it. And I just think it's incredible to see how you. If I, I always think, I like to live through things vicariously, man. I know I've reached out to you and you are an inspiration by the way that you've really gone after your dream and you've like, it's reality, you know? And that like from somebody like me, a creative, a proper buzz off that. But I think, how would I do it? And I'm like, would I do it with one restaurant and see that through a couple of years? Or would I actually do it, you know, the way that you've done it? And I think it's it's daunting, brave and bold. But like at the end of the day, it's like, it's whatever feels right. But I think, my point being is just to, do you think people get or one of the credits I want to give is that you're actually learning on the role at the highest level yeah I think so and I think as far as, far as food goes as well as that I've got a I've got a, a small young team in the kitchen at the foundry and I'm learning off them as well do you know what I mean I'm buzzing off them and they're bringing dishes so we'll, we'll sit down early week and we'll we'll, we'll We'll have an idea for a dish. We'll take a protein. I don't know. Uh, one of the dishes we had on, we had a sea trout, beautiful sea trout. Right, what are we going to do with this? Because it's really cheap and it's banging season. And we'd all just input. But we ended up coming up with this amazing dish. And I think that's what's good about being creative and being a creative is that there's no restrictions, really. You can, you can actually do what you want. Do you know what I mean? You can take something in its original form and you can totally flip it and mirror it and do something completely different, which I think is fantastic about being in this industry and on your industry and you know where you can you've got flair you can do what you fucking want do you know what I mean and I really enjoy that and I also enjoy working for myself now because I don't think I'd be able to have that creativity if I was working for somebody what were you doing before master chef I was a regional development chef for a global manufacturer of combination ovens so basically my my title was development chef but I was a fucking sales guy for an oven company so when I, I left, I left, came back from London because my, my dad's got diagnosed with terminal cancer. So I came back up to spend some time with him. And then I was like, there's got to be a way where I can utilize the knowledge that I've learned in the kitchen and not work fucking 92 hours a week. So my record week in London was like 97 hours, I think. Um, so I came back up, looked at this job and it said, you know, demonstration chef plus a bit of sales. And I was like, wicked, what's the package? And I got like a car, a phone, a laptop. Monday to Friday, 37 and a half hours a week. I was like, fuck, I used to do 37 hours in two days when I worked in London. It's, this is absolutely wild. So the salary wasn't great, but what I earned back in time, it was like double. Do you know what I mean? And I got evenings and weekends and 
I think that's when I first met you and sort of hanging out at Foxy's and, and, and Silver's and all that. And we were, we were all having a really good time because we had those, we had those weekends, man. And it was, it was class. So I applied to go on the show, a bit pissed because I was dared to do it. Um, and I thought, because you've got to go through this sort of audition process because at the end of the day, it is a, it is a TV show. So there's got to be a little bit of cannon fodder. Um, and they've, they've, they've got to get some car crash chefs in. And I'm a, like you say, confident guy. I can talk. And I turned up to my uh, on-screen sort of screen testing with my chef's jacket on with my name and all that. And they probably thought, what a dickhead. He's going to fucking go down in flames. And then a couple of phone calls, conversations later, and they're like, oh, we'd like to offer you a place. And I was like, better start having a think now and start having a go. Um, and it, and the, the journey just progressed from there. Um, and it was one, given the opportunity, I wouldn't change anything, I don't think. I think even finishing second or joint second with Ellie is is... You get, everybody that's in that final is given a golden ticket, especially in the professional season. You're given a golden ticket. You can do what you want. You just because what people tend to do when they've been on that show is they just go back into the kitchen and they crack on and they get a little bit of a promotion and they do a couple of taster menus and then life goes on. But I think when you've put yourself out like that, you know, nationally and sometimes globally because they sell it all over the world, is that you've got to you've got an opportunity there you've got an opportunity to do something wild and you know what I mean? Like fucking shoot for the stars and miss rather than shoot too low. Do you know what I mean? And Were you completely that headstrong and focused on that outlook when you were in that situation then? On well, Yeah. When I got to the, when I got to the final, cause each week they were like, so-and-so's going, I was like, fucking hell, dodge one there. I like Neo <laughs> sort of spinning back and that. And I was like, how am I still here? Like, how am I still here? Because there were loads of chefs there that were so much better than me, but I guess they just didn't, didn't fit the criteria or... I don't, know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know whether it's judged on personality, cooking, what time you turn up, if you curse too much, any of those things. So when I got to the final, I was like, right, you've been given this opportunity. It's, it's, we finished filming at the end of summer and it doesn't air till Christmas. So you're NDA'd up to the eyeballs, can't say anything for six months. And you know me, man, I've got, I've got loose lips and shit, so I'm telling everyone, mate. It's the worst kept secret in Leeds, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, it, when it aired, I was like, you know, I was, I was having a bit of banter and we had, a, we had a couple of parties when it was on and stuff. And I was just like, this is a, this is a golden ticket. This is something that you've got to do something with. So when the, the, the vultures came in with the TV stuff, I took the money, I took the money. I was like, wicked, I'll do that. And then it got to the point where I was just gassed out and tired. And I had that chance meeting with Cunny in the pub. And here we are with three restaurants. And we got into the Michelin Guide, the Good Food Guide. Uh, we, Jay Rayner came to review us after when we've been open for a year, this time last year. Uh, and the restaurant's gone from success to, you know, it's, it's gone on. It's, it's evolved from its original form as the foundry when well, Phil and Sean had it. This is another thing and a, a great lead on because it was highly reputable anyway before you took over it. But yeah. how is that? It, that's almost, again, you know, you, you've jumped. It's not like you've built somewhere new and you're starting up your own reputation. It's almost going against the grain again. You've gone into somewhere that was already beloved and yet you've gone in, jigged it up in your way and then it's built on top of that. I think it was a bit of a, it was a blessing and a curse that taking over an institution because that opened in 2004 and they, they had, you know, a, a proper loyal following, yeah. proper loyal. You still get customers coming in now that don't know that it's being sold and they come in and they see the Nick Dixon on the wall and they see the neon and they start walking and go, <laughs> just look, uh, old foundry guests there. <laughs> so then it's down to the front of the house to charm them. It was, it was hard because we, when people learn 
that I'd, I'd taken it over, we'd taken it over, my company, our company had taken it over. It was, it was, it, it's difficult to sort of articulate, but it was this young pretender, it was this young kid coming in and if they knew the backstory, the backstory was uh, Phil Richardson, who, who remains a good friend, and Sean Davies. Phil's wife took quite poorly, she was having kidney dialysis like three times a week and they wanted to sell, he'd had enough, do you know what I mean? Um, but he had such a, a big following because he was like the, the restaurant manager at Leodis and all these old school restaurants and everyone just flocked to him. But if they knew the backstory is that we, we took the restaurant, he had offers that were higher than ours. I mean, considerably higher than ours. But it was like, I don't want somebody to come in and just put a shitty restaurant and, 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 and ruin the last 14 years. He said, I want you to, so it's almost like a change. Sorry, say that again. You, you you cut out there with the sound just when you said change off. You say something? Nah, your sound's gone. Hello? <laughs> Can you hear me? You can't hear me? I'll tell you what I'll do. Um, I'll log off and I'll come back on live again. Perfect. Anyone watching, sorry about that. Obviously, it's a bit of a technical difficulties. Not sure if you can even hear me now, but what I'll do is I'll end this live and then I'll go back live again. So do join us again uh, for the rest of the interview with Matt Hewitt. Hello again. Uh, yeah, just wait for Matt to come through and then we'll reconnect and uh, see what he was uh, saying with his point there. First time it's happened now. But likewise, thank you all for checking out Loose Lips. Uh, we've had... Alex Simmons we had earlier today, incredible interview. We also had Mickey Pika, uh, and then I just spoke with Mo a moment ago from Arsenal Fan TV. Uh, so they're still on my live. Go check them out. And also, any of the lives that I've done today, including this one, which we're doing with Matt, um, when he's just connecting now. Any Back of in. These, nice one, brother. Uh, I just finished in saying, uh, yeah, all the interviews that are, have been done, they'll be getting uploaded on YouTube, so all the links will be getting shared about. But yeah, sorry, brother, I don't know what happened there. But yeah, if you, you were just saying, I think what I got up to is uh, the, the considerably higher offers. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so so when, when, when Phil put the restaurant up for sale, um, he had offers that were a lot higher than ours. But what he said was, and we, and we focused on this quite a lot in the media, was to not upset the current clientele. Was just that, you know, um, we don't want to pass a restaurant to just anybody. You know, Matt's from Leeds. Uh, he's, he learned his craft in Leeds. He's worked for a lot of Leeds chefs, blah, 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 up and down the country. Um, and, and that's how we did it, sort of passing of the baton, sort of, the, you know, the, 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 the new blood coming through, so to speak. Was that um, really why the names also included still as well? Well, yeah, I mean, there was a conversation had about this because when I first came out of MasterChef, I did a pop-up down at Doc29 with Colin and just called it six. So it was a number six, Ayat, which had six courses, six glasses of wine, 60 quid. Easy. And then I was, I can't remember where I was. I was with him and one of my pals, AD, and he, and he was like, why are you doing that? Like, people know you. People know the name. People know Matt Healy from television. Why don't you just find an existing place? So if you get an existing place, it'd be Matt Healy at the Doc29, Matt Healy at whatever. I was like, actually, there's some legs in that. So when we spoke to the PR company, they were like, it's probably a better idea to generate a little bit more interest and also a little bit more footfall because I know that I wouldn't go out for a taster menu two, three times a week, A, for cost point of view, and B, because you just, just get bored of it. Um, so 
when when we came up with with the name and in keeping with the foundry, we we wanted to go back to sort of strip it back to the foundry because the the first locomotives ever made that that ran on the train tracks were built in Leeds at the foundry. Um, right. We get loads of tourist walkers around. All the plaques are still on the walls. So it's worth having a mooch down there actually because it's quite cool. Um, so when we've done it, we've we've we've, we've stripped it right back to brick. Uh, and it's uh, we, we, what did we do? We French polished the bar. We put a concrete floor in and took up all the tiles and stuff. Uh, and we just kept it proper basic. So it almost when I first saw it done, I was a bit pissed off because I thought it looks like a bit of a canteen. It looks a bit shit. This, but then when you put the food out and the glassware and the crockery and the staff look all cool, I don't want it. To, I didn't want it to be stuffy either. I didn't want it to be sort of classic service. So the guys have them all in black with a cool apron and wear Converse or Vans or something, whatever you're comfortable in. I don't want you to come to work and feel like you have to sort of stand up stiff. It's not that sort of place. Do you know what I mean? But with that, with them being so comfortable and chilled, they give fantastic service. Do you know what I mean? Because they're not all, they're not under that sort of regime as it were. What's that side of it like, you know, getting to plan your own restaurant, the whole interior design of it. It's something that I just took for granted until you sort of touched on it a bit there. It's we, we work we work together with a lot of people. Air design, so so Miles and, and Steve Wood at Air Design, they helped us out massively with their whole design team. We sort of sat down and had meetings with them, and just had to we just spoke to these guys about the concept and the idea, and they they sort of came up with it. Also, big props to them. And then um, the, the 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 team, the sort of board at Seventh Course, my my company, um, we we just got our heads together. So there was no bad idea everything would be considered everything's on the table do you know what i mean because it's a collective you know my name is above the door but without the people there with me running side by side it, i wouldn't have been able to make that dream a reality do you know what i mean so it's, i think it's important as well for everybody within that pack to stay totally humble do you know what i mean because we're all there together we're all there for the common goal it seems a proper family family unit obviously i know a few heads who are working at the at the foundry site but um yeah, it definitely seems a, a family. I mean, do you see anyone in the kitchen going on to do big things? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, all of them. So Dan, we took up, we, t- we we took Dan from the old foundry, um, and he was. I sat with him. I was like, "What do you want to do?" I was like, oh, I don't know. I, don't, I like pastry. I was like, "Wicked, you can do some pastry." And, and just gave him that, and he said, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Come up with some ideas. Let's just just do what you fucking want. Do you know what I mean? Let's do it." And to break that mould, I think he'd been at the foundry for like seven years before we turned up. So he'd been there for, for time. Um, and then I've got a young lad called Josh, Josh Plews, you know, DJ oh, Josh. Josh every time. Yeah. Man. Good lad. Um, he's class, man. He came from the boundary. Um, Steve. In Methley. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Steve and Johnny's place. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and he came in and he's a bit of a rough diamond, is Josh. He's a messy little shitbag. I'll give him a good, few good ideas, and he's all right. And then, and then Rob Hallas, who's who's yeah. a bit of a Hallas is like a, 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 an old school friend, as you know. And um, he, he'd never cooked before, so when I needed some chefs, I just sort of put a shout on Facebook and said, "Look, does anybody want to come and join the family? Anybody want to come and cook at a semi decent level? Get in touch." And Rob messaged me, and he was like, "I'd like to get involved." I was like, "I'm not really looking for to, to take on, you know, a commie or or, any, or an apprentice." Um, but you can want to come in and do a couple of hours a week, then that's fine. He's like, no, no, I, I want to focus. I want to learn how to cook, man. I want to, I want to get involved. I was like, I've got to admire the balls on this kid. So give him a shot. And for anyone who's listening who might not know Rob Alice, like that's one of the things that I love is his like character trait. Is like yeah. he proper gets stuck in, man. He proper grafts like that. Full on grafter. I mean, before him and Jess went to Barcelona, he was doing 
45 hours a week with me. And then he was doing stage setups set with Hilly and that in Sheffield. And then he was going to a porto after a double shift and working till four in the morning, having a few hours keep coming back. And the determination on that kid, I was just like, fucking hell, take me out of here. So when he started with me, he was just doing like cold plates, a bit of charcuterie. And I, we, we, we sort of both worked out a plan that his last service before he goes to Barcelona is he'll run the kitchen, he'll run the pass, he'll do the cooking. And he did, man. And he, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a proper... I wish he knew his own worth. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because he's down on himself a lot and he's such a, he's such a lovely geezer. Like, he's, such a, he's, a, he's become a really, really close friend. And he's a really good fucking cook. And this, this concept, this bastard's bistro that he's got, yeah. um, we, we let him do his maiden voyage at, at the foundry and he, he nailed it. And then he did another one a couple of weeks back at Domino and nailed it again. And I think going forward, I'd like to see maybe in a year, two years' time, Rob getting bricks and mortar, bastard's bistro. And I'll fully support him doing that because all, all I want to do is when people work with me is to go on to better things. I want, I want them to go on to better things for... So then everyone's like, where have you worked? So I've worked with Matt Ely. And you're like, fucking hell, he's got a good pedigree. Do you know what I mean? I, I, want, I want them to go on to the next level. And I think Rob will. And I, I'd like to think that I can help him on that journey as well. Because he's got a real good vision as Rob. Just my fucking head in most of the time, but he's got a real good vision. Do you find that that's quite key in the ambition of people who come to work with you? Is that something that you, you look for when, you, when you're hiring? I think so, yeah. The most important thing is attitude for me. Because we can teach you how to cook. We can teach you timekeeping, we can teach you how to do the health and hygiene, and we can teach you all these other bits and pieces. But we can't teach your attitude, do you know what I mean? If you want to be first in, last out, then you've you got to show that in, in your interview and your trial, and then, and then, you know, onwards from there. Um, I was always that kid. I worked under some old-school cooks. If you were late, you got a good idea, do you know what I mean? Um, and... I'm not that sort of chef, but I, I want to... I read my voice, as everybody does when they get stressed, but I, I want people to have a really good attitude to, towards learning, do you know what I mean? Because, like, Rob, I keep... We go back to this. He's a prime example. Didn't have any experience, but he knows how to make a drink. He knows how to build a drink, so then he can follow a recipe, and he knows how to build a dish. He knows how to run a service because he's worked a busy bar, and it translated really well for him. It transcended those two industries, which I don't think I've known anybody that's ever done that before. That's incredible. And again, another side of it, the interviews, you know, getting into setting your own business up and then having to do the interviews. What's that side of it like? Getting, what, you... getting, getting to grips with, getting to grips with doing. doing oh, like hiring interviews. people and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and a, it... also, have you had to like sack anyone or, you know, have you had to do any of these sort of work things that are a bit like, and again, because you've not like business headed as in gone to that, worked with that place from the off. What's that like to sort of read and become into? It's, re it's, it's really hard because every decision that I've made has been for the good of the restaurant. It's never ego. It's never, um, it's, it's never, it's never for, it's never for me. It's for the great, it's for the good of the restaurant, for the, for the restaurant to, to be able to survive and all that. It, it, it's for that. Um, so I, you know, I've, I've parted company with some good friends, some long-term friends and, and I've tried to get my point across that it's it's not because I wanted to. It's because I had to. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the needs of the business have changed. Therefore, to move forward, I'm really sorry, but we have to part company. Do you know what I mean? And that's, been, that's the hardest part about it is the, the, the friendships that have gone or, or, or put on ice. Put on ice because they haven't gone. Um, but it's, it's, still, it's still quite difficult. I, still, that's, I think that's the hardest part. Um, and sort of 
you can't back in the day I see back in the day like 22 years ago when I started someone could like I think Big Ken Big Danny's just joined he's one of my old school chefs but he never he never battered me he used to teach me but back in the day you could just tell someone to fuck off middle of service if they were rubbish or they're doing your head and then that's it you wouldn't hear of it now but if you did that now you'd be dragged into a tribunal do you know what I mean? So everything's got to follow due course, which is, again, something else that I've learned. It's employment law. It's just lost my mind. It's incredible, incredible to see that the, the one thing I really wanted to speak to you about in this like, environment was, you know, from the outset, it's Matt Ely. He's got his restaurants. He's got his... But it's the... I wanted to learn more about how you've developed that side of the business acronym and it's, it's, it's staggering. It's because as I say, you're going in at the top level and yet you proper just like took to it like a duck to water, man. It is inspirational. It's been hard. I, f I found it hard. I think a lot of the times as well, because of the TV and because of the rapid growth of the business, you sort of put yourself up there to be shot at a little bit. And I find that they, you know, like you say, people say, oh, look at Matt Ely, who the fuck do you think he is with these restaurants? And, you know, it's not, you know, it's not my door that's doing it. It's the business that's generated it. My business partners, I'm just the face. Do you know what I mean? Um, especially of Grand Cafe. And people love to take a shot. Do you know what I mean? When, you know, when, when we, when we decided that the pub wasn't working for us, um, you know, I got absolute pelters, pelters, sat in this bedroom here, just on the, on the verge of tears because, People don't, people don't know the man behind the name. Do you know what I mean? They just think, oh, he's got a big beard, big tattoo, blah, blah, blah. Let's give him loads of shit. He's a wanker, is this, is that. I found that really hard. Really hard. I saw hard. that. Do you want to maybe have a, a little natter a bit about that? Because I've seen you sort of, not replying directly to people, but I've seen how it has like hit you a bit. Like, Is that, again, another sour side to it? I mean, yeah, it's 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 hard. I mean, I'll take criticism like the best of them, do you know what I mean? But I think when it's unfounded and it's personal and I don't know you, then, do you know what I mean? You're upset that you had a steak once at a pub that I once owned, or once, or once owned and you paid 12 quid for it. Well, go go somewhere else or go online and sort of pelt my family. You know what I mean? I find that that is because of the TV link. They do view it as almost like a TV personality in a sense of their game rather than maybe that's why it might not happen to other chefs as, as much? Or do you just think some people are just born like that? I think some people just don't have manners. There was an instance last year when we were at um, Leeds Festival and we were in um, that the VIP bit having a few jars. And I'm not I'm not dropping. I got three tickets. You know what I mean? I was in the VIP bit. <laughs> um, and somebody just sort of marched up to me and just started giving me like a live TripAdvisor review. And I was like... <laughs> What are you talking about? First of all, I'm half cut. Second of all, who are you? Well, I ate it, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, oh, my God. I can't. And I was like, right, like right in my face, like pointing towards my chest. I was like, brother, I'm going to have to take myself out of this situation because everyone's got a camera phone and yeah. I'm going to chin you in a minute. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's people feel like it's acceptable to do that and I don't because if I had a bad pizza at Pizza Express at Burstall, I wouldn't wait till the chef finished and followed him out because I seen his stripy shirt. Do you know what I mean? You just move on with your life. Just don't go back. Just don't go back. Don't. It's it's not acceptable to jump online and start absolutely pelting people and going through old pictures and old tweets to try and trip people up and stuff. It's just, come on, man. It's food. Get over it. I'll give how you your fucking you, money back. How do you sort of um, build like 
the the sort of strength of character to like ignore that and block that out? Does it does it get quite difficult, or are you able to where you surrounded circle like just look through it? I've got a good circle. I've got a good circle that a took all my logins off me, so I couldn't <laughs> argue with people on the business pages. So that was the most important. And it's I don't know you what. It's one of those things. If I have a Saturday night dinner service and one person is upset, I don't remember the other 99 people. I remember that one person because I've not delivered on my promise to give you an experience at my restaurant. Do you know what I mean? And I'd like to think that I can block out the negativity, but sometimes when it's personal, if it's constructive, man, some people ring up and they go, look, I came in last night, so-and-so, so-and-so, there's no toilet roll in there. We fixed that straight away. You ran out of time. Whatever, I I can get on board with that. I'm sorry, here's a 50 quid voucher mention me by name next time I'll come and have a glass of champagne at the bar before dinner that fixes it nine times out of ten but it's when you get like pelters saying that they wish your fucking family were dead and they you know they wish that they'd never they'd never fucking they'd never seen you on TV and you should have been given that opportunity who the fuck do you think you are and you're just like what, what it's totally uncalled for it's totally uncalled for and I think that's why I got my logins taken off of it because those people I've pelt back into them after a couple of bottles of wine <laughs> to my detriment that. Do you find that, um, are you viewed as public property by that, do you think? Do you think that people generally forget that there is a person there? You are, like, public property? I think sometimes, yeah. Especially, like, the, when I talked about the Leeds Festival story. I think I think so. I think they thought, well, that's that's all right. I recognise him. I've seen him on TV, and he's got a, a restaurant where I live. I think I think you're right. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. I think I think people, because they're familiar with you, and, you know, the, the, the press surrounding the restaurant and the cafes and the pubs when it first opened, I was the darling of Leeds for about six months. It was brilliant. You know, I was riding that wave. And then all of a sudden you upset one person and it's like a domino effect because somebody else gets onto it and then somebody, and it compounds. Do you know what I mean? And then you find somebody else that comes out and it, it's difficult. But I think sometimes, yeah, I think that I am viewed as public property sometimes. And that's not an, and that's not an ego thing. That's just, you know, I was ballsy enough to put my name above the restaurant uh, and and like I said to you at the very start, it's a golden ticket. So as much as I try and block out this negativity and sort of charge through it like Thor, it does hurt me. It does, it it, pers- it, it upsets me, you know what I mean? Like my, my girlfriend sort of seeing me at my lowest when I've been sat looking at my phone in tears because it's 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 harsh. It, I, I fucking cook tea for a living. I shake pans, I peel potatoes. That's what I do for a living. I'm not Gordon Ramsay or Jamie Oliver, do you know what I mean? I aspire to be like that. Fucking 100% I aspire to be like that. I, I want a better life for my family and my friends and anybody that I can bring along this journey with me. I want them to enjoy it as well. Do you know what I mean? But sometimes some people are real, real assholes. Do you find that, uh, I mean, how would you rate the Leeds restaurant scene? Is it is it uh, an inclusive sort of collective? Can you, you know, look over at road and see what would be classed as competitors, but there's still a, you know, a level of respect and camaraderie and chatting? Or is, yeah. it quite, is it quite boxed off from one another? I think there's certain restaurants that put themselves head and shoulders above other people. I think that's the same in any industry, really. But I think nine times out of ten, everybody's cool. Guys at Ox Club, guys at Stuzzy, um, Zuko in Mainwood, one of my favourite restaurants in Leeds. Absolutely love that place. No, I haven't eaten out for two years, mate. <laughs> I live on chicken karmas. <laughs> oh, that's how hard I am. Um, I don't. I get we, we, the restaurant shut Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday. So I, I try and eat out as much as I can with them. But like, I live in Farsley and um, Cassie. Do you know? Do you remember Cassie Rogerson and Alex that worked at Sandinista and that for a while? They've got a little pizza place called Grumpy's. 
Okay. And it's literally, I can see it from this window now, and it's it's so good. It's so good. Um, so I like to go there on a Sunday night. Do you know what I mean? It's proper chilled. Holly tends to work an early on a on a Sunday, so get home at about five, six o'clock, quick shower, jump over there, bottle of wine, do the quiz, have a pizza. It's perfect. You know what I mean? In the sunshine. That's obviously not now. Um, but that's the, one of the first places that I'll go when all this gets lifted. But I think in answer to your question, everybody, I think even more so now, you've seen the better side of humanity and what the, what the restaurant scene in Leeds has done for frontline uh, key workers, uh, people homeless, people vulnerable, people uh, self-isolating and all that. I think everybody sort of jumped involved. Sam Davis, she's a big advocate for stuff like that on the Bar Grafters group. She's classed with stuff like that. Um, you've, you've, I think in times like this, which is unprecedented for you and I, because we've never seen anything like this in our lifetimes, you see the best and the worst in humanity. Do you know what I mean? I had stories about some geezers knocking on doors, saying they worked at Tesco's and taking old ladies' credit card details and stuff like that. And That's grim, man. It's grim. I don't know whether it's a fallacy or not, but you, you hear these things. You know what I mean? There's no smoke without a fire sometimes. But the restaurant scene in Leeds is cool, man. Little independence. I think that's the way that people are going as well. They're sort of moving away from those massive brands mm. and they're going to the diversifying like Stussy, like Ox Club, like, you know, the new Cross Keys. Those guys have got that place down and then this virus landed. Like, literally, I went in for a pint on my birthday and then everything shut down the day after. But it looks sick in there if you've not been in yet. Um, there's loads of cool little groovy places in Leeds and it's becoming a little bit more like London now, pocketed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, with your little, so do, would you say where you are, do you think that there's more to be grown there, like as a hook? Because you've got some old school boozers, you know, like, is it Midnight Bell? Or... Midnight Bell, Cross Keys, yeah. um, Out of the Woods Coffee Shop, Taste around the corner from us. But then you've got Northern Monk Brewery. They, lo they do loads of pop-ups with Josh from Airwood Project. Um, and there's loads of, build I don't know if you've been down there, but there's loads of building work going on around Temple Works and all that. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's going to be really groovy down there. And I think what they might do is extend the, the postcode to an LS1. So okay. it becomes more inclusive, which is great because you get footfall, but shit because you get absolutely bummed on business rates. Council tax and money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Mate, thank you for being with us. I've got a couple more if that's all right. One of yeah. the main ones would be, I know that you went back onto uh, MasterChef uh, later. What was that like? Was, was that quite surreal? Yeah, I mean, that was that was a 10-year special for the professionals and th they wanted to focus on finalists, not winners. Because I think a lot of people, like you say, they, they don't shoot for the stars and miss. They just want to shoot for that star and they don't aim high enough. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, <clears throat> so they called me. They're like, do you want to go back on it? And I was like, I don't want to be getting involved in any other competitions or anything like that. And they're like, if we do a competition, it's going to be a bit tongue-in-cheek. There's not really going to be a winner. It's all about a celebration of these people that have taken a punt and gone on this show and done well. So I was like, yeah, all right, cool, let's do it. And then it sort of escalated really quickly. And then they were like one of the judges, so Marcus Waring, Monica Galetti or Greg Wallace were going to come to the restaurant. I was hoping and praying for Marcus because we had a little bit of a bromance on the show. <laughs> he was just dead cool and he was really supportive and stuff. And and even when it all finished, you sort of dropped me a message saying, how are you going? You know, I've heard you get in a restaurant, blah, blah, blah. So then he rolled in and, I, and he was just like, Fucking two years ago, you were selling ovens. Now you have your own restaurant. Like, I, I, I actually can't believe it. It's, it's so cool. Um, and then he was like, oh, they didn't tell us this before we were, before we started filming. But he said, oh, you're going to be back in the MasterChef kitchen then. I was like, all these cameras. And I was like, right, <laughs> am I? He's like, yeah, we're putting together a little competition for a couple of finalists. And there were four of us, but two from my season, I think, because it was it was a really 
the ratings or something must have been great. So both Ellie and I that finished second, we got to go on that. And it was great. And one of the best things about that was it aired on the 27th of December at about 8pm on BBC One. So everyone's at home, week before Christmas and New Year. Week, so week in between Christmas and New Year. And I think it had like 5 million viewers and it crashed our booking site. Just went, bah, 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 bah. Wow. We were full from January till May. I'm not even not even kidding. Tuesday through Sunday, full. People driving up. Where are you from? Oh, we've come up from Nuneaton. Are you staying in Leeds? No, no, no. We just wanted to meet you and have, ten, have dinner. We're setting off now. I was like, it's 10 o'clock on Saturday night. Oh, yeah, I wanted to try it. We're doing all, all the MasterChef restaurants in a bit of a tour. I was like, oh, hell. Yeah, really, really good. So that's the nice side of the industry. That's the bit where you're like, people really care. And that's yeah. when it's quite nice to be deemed as public property because they can go and go, look, I got a photo with this guy who was on TV last and he's really nice and his restaurant's really cool. That's the nice side of that. Anyone else who you've shared that experience with, any other people who are in the competition, he's still in touch with and how are they finding sort of post-MasterChef life? And also, do you speak with Liz Cotton? Because I know that she was involved in Master, yeah. uh, another series, wasn't she? Yeah, I speak with Liz. I speak with Liz quite often. She's she's another sort of workhorse. She blasts me out. Have you been to the Owl in the market? It's so good. It's so good. I can't I can't tell you how good it is. It's so good. Just go. It's brilliant. Um, and the restaurant home, I've eaten there a few times. That's class. Um, I, I'm in touch with Gary, who won my series, little Scottish Gary. Um he asked me just before, again, all this kicked off early March. I went and was a keynote speaker at Glasgow College for the Global Hospitality um, Summit. So there's Tom Kitchen, myself, um, the managing director from Glen Eagles. Um, and we just had a bit of a QA and a and a bit of a chat. But I, we went to Gary's house and had tea with his family and stuff. I'm still really close to him. Speak to him sort of two, three times a week. He's become a really, co- a really close pal. That's incredible. So, as you say, man, like proper, it seems what I've got from this is a real sense of family. You know, yeah. people getting, it's not just, you know, the names there, but it's the people that are surrounding you in all different directions, really, that are able to, to, to give you the, the, the strength and support needed. Yeah, totally. And I don't, I don't ever, I don't ever sort of consider it as, the guys that work for me, I always sort of try and word it as the guys that work with me because they don't work for me. It's like, it's a common goal. I want, I don't want people to be thinking, fucking hell, I've got an 18 hour shift. I want them thinking, right, it's going to be a big shift. Chef's going to get us a few beers afterwards, but we're busy and that's where we want to be and everybody driving, you know, because it does get hard. You've seen the place, man, it's a small kitchen and you've got four big lads mooching about in there on a busy night. It's like dancing hippos sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon, this is final one from me, do you reckon there's ever scope? Because it seems like it could be quite a chameleon place where you could set the chairs out and tables out and have it more of a bar for a one-off. I know you did it for your launch party. Is there ever any chat with that? Or do you just, obviously, the money, the income and revenue is based solely kitchen-based. But do you think it could have, like, yeah, I don't know, maybe a one-off sort of terrace sort of courtyard party outside. Well, this is it's funny you should ask that, actually, because this is what we've... And by the way, anybody watching, he's not prepped me for this interview. So we were talking we about um, when we were allowed to reopen. We're coming up to our second birthday, and we have got that south-facing courtyard. So we were thinking about maybe doing, like, a, a collab with um, um, Bastards Bistro, and and, oh, yeah, and, and, yeah. and but then going forward every Sunday because we finished service at like half five on a Sunday and when the weather's lush, I was thinking of maybe offering some sort of hospitality bartender chefs Sunday. Do you know what I mean? So whatever we've got left, we'll overorder a lot of chicken or whatever, and we'll get like a big green egg barbecue. We'll just put beers in buckets and wine, 
I just pay like 15 quid and come and chill and listen to some music, get Josh DJ and you can DJ. Me DJing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's, that's, that idea has been put on the table and I think as soon as we're open and people want to go somewhere where it's away from the hustle and bustle, it's good vibes, good tunes, nice food and a few beers in good company. I think that's what we'd like to do on Sundays in the summer down at the courtyard. Perfect. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I definitely yes, want to mate. get involved if that comes about, so let me know. 100%. Also, I mean, we'll speak off camera, but uh, I'd still love to get that uh, season ticket idea going with the football review show that we're Yeah, doing. definitely. I think it's got legs. So we'll matter about that and see where we can get with that. But, mate, honestly, keep doing yourself and everyone proud, man. You're a proper credit. Thank you, man. Stay safe. Thanks for having me. You stay safe and cool as well, mate. And again, just again, man, tip it out for food, what you're doing with NHS, man. Thank Proper you, brother. That's these people beans. donating. I just cook it. People keep donating. I can keep doing it. Do you want, do you want to let anyone who's watching, um, and again, because this is going to be shared out anywhere they can donate, like any of the sites or all that. If they go to the Foundry, MH Foundry Facebook page, um, or the Instagram, or the Twitter feed, uh, all, all the, the GoFundMe um, link is on there. But I'll send it to you if you could put it with the video. That'd be wicked. Perfect. I will do, mate. And I'll send you a link of it as well. Thank you. You're Excellent. Thanks, Ben. Take Cheers, man. Bye. See you later. There you are, me talking to Matt Ely uh, about all things life in the chef kitchen world. Thank you, everybody who's been checking the interview out and, uh, yeah, sending the link there. Thank you very much for that as well. Uh, much respect. All the chats that I've done today. Uh, so I did Mickey P. Kerr, another Leeds iconic legend. Alex Simmons uh, involved in the Leeds. Yes, Cunny, respect. Uh, yeah, he Simo is involved in the Leeds music scene. And then also I interviewed more from Arsenal Fan TV. And then, of course, Matt Ealer. All these interviews, what I will be doing is I'll be uploading them onto YouTube and then we'll be giving them to the people I've interviewed to share. So get amongst them. Some real inspiring chats that have come out. And I'll be returning on Wednesday. Wait until you see me guest list on Wednesday. But up until then, I hope we've done enough to help you escape the reality of what we're in and trust We'll get through this together and overcome it together as one. And on the other side of this, it will be a summer of bliss. Peace and light to you and yours. Stay cool, stay blessed. I'm Ben Random. Respect. <laughs>